Good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we are here with episode 465 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for April 9th, 2017. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. This week, Casio might start making the band. Call of Duty might be headed to your pocket. And Jay-Z has left the main stream. This here is uh, F5 Live Refreshing Technology, part of <clears throat> part of the Tech Podcast Network. This is the uh, flagship show here on the Plug Hits Live family of content. We are live Sunday nights, somewhere around 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We go for about an hour. We'll talk about gadgets, gaming, internet, and media news. And uh, wherever you are and however you're joining us, whether it be Facebook, iTunes, the podcast play app in the Windows Store, on Google Play, Music Podcasts for Android, or uh, our homes on Livestream, Stitcher, or uh, Facebook Live, or of course on our apps, plugitslive.com slash apps, available for the Windows devices in your life uh, for free. Thank you for making us part of your day. <clears throat> um, there are... Uh, a couple of ways that you can join us. The first is you can join us live, like I said, on Sunday nights. Um, by joining us live, you get the ability to chat with us in the studio about the topics that we're talking about as we're talking about them. And it does not matter whether you uh, decide to interact with us on live stream or Facebook Live. Either way, you can comment as we are talking about the topics. We love to get feedback on our topics. Uh, from the audience, so please, please do that. We enjoy it. Uh, the other, if you're not able to join us live, that is okay. Um, you can also uh, subscribe to this and all of our other shows by going to plugitslive.com slash subscribe. And there you can subscribe to the audio or video versions of F5 Live to the Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, where we'll be talking about um, brands, uh, the, the best and worst brands, and uh, how Laptop Magazine uh, comes up with their list every year, which will be a great topic. Um, and our special events feed, which uh, in just under a month, we will be firing up some new content at Collision Conference in New Orleans. Uh, first Looks, which we just did in Orlando at the Orlando FRC Regional. And of course, all of our other shows right there. I think that is our spiel. And uh, with that, Abram, how are you doing? Hey, all right. Not bad. I'm in a little bit of a mess because I was reorganizing my office, and we also had a birthday party here where I had to throw things in into my office to avoid people tripping on them. Sure. But, you know, of course, in doing that, I come across treasures and, of course, <laughs> things that I need to, to find something to do with. Like the other day, actually, I just only bought this the other day, but... I'm figuring to put this on my Arduino board and do something with it. Um, so uh, if you have any ideas of what I could do with a digital LED panel for my Arduino board, Ooh. it just seemed like a cool, like a cool idea um, to, to put one on there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, uh, so, you know, come coming across all kinds of, all kinds of stuff, trying to clean up, not, a giant mess and somewhere in a future session maybe over here you'll see another table where i could actually build things 
so they're not just hanging on my desk like this piece of robot here. Uh, <laughs> and he, um, I love the term "piece of robot." <laughs> that I that might be my new my new thing for a while. Yeah, this is your piece of robot. Um, you know, it was my son's birthday this uh, birthday party this weekend, so he got some. I made sure he got a couple of cool toys besides the the, to- the kid stuff that people gave him. Sure. Uh, I got this for him and me to play with. Is that a little it's micro a, quadcopter? Yes. Nice. It is a Jit Jat Nano C. Technically speaking, that's what it is called. Um, it's very inexpensive. Um, I kind of got a used one in an auction that we were having in the company where people, had, anyway, were auctioning some used stuff they had. Gotcha. And uh, for 19 bucks, but normally it's like 30 something, which is still not terrible, and it has yeah. a camera in it. Oh, wow. So, so it can fly around as about a five minute battery life and it takes an SD card. So it's not streaming to your phone, um, but it'll record things. I tried it for a few minutes and I crashed into everything, but <laughs> it survived the first round. Well, that's so, impressive. It survived. So that's, that says something for the product. Yeah. I was trying to keep it alive for like, you know, for like taking outside ones. Sure. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't fly in the house. <laughs> um, so otherwise, all right. Uh, and uh, eager to talk about our uh, tip for this week's Pilch Point, where we talk about uh, one of the coolest things that I work on all year. I am uh, I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, to that conversation because, like we've said, uh, the two, the, this one and the, uh, the uh, tech support showdown are my, my two favorite things that get produced every year. So definitely looking forward to talking about the second one. But before we can do that, we uh, probably have to talk about some of our other topics. So let's start with that. Nope. Let's start. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. You can save on uh, Surface right now. Uh, Save $200 on the Surface Book with Core i5 and the 128-gig SSD with 8 gigs of RAM. Uh, Good machine, whether you're a a student or a small business, it's a tablet and a laptop in a way that's not the traditional Surface Pro. It's real keyboard, which is a nice uh, (laughs) change from this device. Obviously, uh, lots of other deals. There, there's um, all kinds of deals right now on the Xbox One S. You can uh, save a bunch of money on bundles, plus get an additional free game with purchase right now. Um, a whole myriad of uh, VR and AR headsets available from the HTC Vive through the, uh, the big Microsoft HoloLens, uh, all available, and of course, a lot more by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. Speaking of Microsoft, let's actually talk about Microsoft for once. <laughs> uh, we tend to do that in other categories, but let's talk about that uh, right now. On me, right this second, is my Microsoft Band 2. Um, everybody... 
in in my circle who owned a first generation was excited about the second generation and many bought a second gen um then last year there was there were reports of a third generation prototype being out in the wild there were some pictures there was some information and then uh immediately it seemed it was less than three or four days it came out that microsoft had discontinued the band uh division and that that wonderful prototype with all kinds of new capabilities would never see the light of day but they also said that they were committed to wearables and to fitness devices and this week we found out what they meant by that Uh, microsoft has licensed their wearable and health technology to casio who will have the ability to build it into any devices that they want uh, including their own smartwatches and uh, potentially standalone fitness devices. And I don't know if the design patents were also um, were also licensed, but if so, a pretty quick way to get to market with this technology would be to bring an already existing prototype uh, to development so that already existing band three has the potential of coming out but under a new manufacturer so that's kind of an interesting an interesting deal uh you know that there was there was a lot of excitement over the bands especially in the first generation when they came out microsoft couldn't build them fast enough why do you think that is what is it about the uh microsoft's band that you think would differentiates it from some competitors like the Fitbit? It's a fair question. Um, the One of the new Fitbits, uh, I don't remember the name of it offhand right this second. Um, basically, so, so <clears throat> Microsoft treated the band kind of the same way that Intel treats most of the things that they build. Uh, they thought of it as a uh, tech spec more than a standalone product. Same way that the Surface got started, but that kind of got out of, out of control out from under them, uh, but in a positive way. Um, the Surface was designed to encourage manufacturers to go crazy with design ideas, and it worked. And the band was the same idea. And one of the new Fitbits, whose model I don't remember, um, basically is a band three. Um, so I don't know what it was specifically about the band hardware um it might have been the fascinating clasp um because for me it's one of the things i as i sit here i'm wearing two and i've got another one for review uh on my desk and in my office (laughs) and i will say that the the clasps on the microsoft bands definitely set them apart um but i don't know what it was that gained the excitement around the band hardware but i've i've not seen another device of that middle ground category because it's not quite a smartwatch but it's not quite just a fitness band right it's it's somewhere oh, in a, samsung's galaxy fit this, it was a little like that yeah um where it's not you can't it's it's not it has a screen and it runs some apps right it's not quite a uh um you know, a, a Samsung full Samsung Gear watch, right? But it's not quite just a standard Fitbit. Like there, 
it's somewhere in the middle and you're right the the gear fit was kind of in that same category um i think that was the thing that made it attractive was it was it was this middle ground and it worked on all three platforms you could have it on ios android or windows um your data would sync between your iphone and your windows computer um but that you also had these things like you could buy starbucks with it right these little things that weren't quite an Apple Watch, but they weren't just a fitness band. I think that was where the the intrigue came in. Yep. It, at least for me, I know I know that was what attracted me to it. It's small, you know. It's not a full watch face. It's it's small and streamlined on my wrist, which for somebody who doesn't really like to. I know if you were to look at me right this second, you wouldn't believe me. That doesn't like to wear things on his wrist. <sighs> um, it, it wasn't it wasn't obtrusive like like a full smartwatch. Yeah, I'm just of the opinion. I kind of want something. To, I kind of want to wear something like Leela from Futurama. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just want that the whole thing. You know. Uh, a full arm cuff. A full arm cuff. There was that. Do. There was that company that produced that one. Uh, I took the Rufus cuff. That's the one. I I have yet to see it in the see anyone talk about having actually received one. Me too. So there was definitely <laughs> a company that that kickstarted um, such a thing. Yes. And I had actually emailed with one of the guys from there multiple times saying. We'd really love to do a review of this. Please send us one. We'll, you know, this is real exciting. And the guy wasn't like, no, we don't want to send you one. It was like, oh, just wait. We'll come out with it. Um, You know, mind you, all it really was, but I'm not saying this is a bad thing because I don't think they did any really special software for it. All it really was was a promise of just like basically a small Android phone with a cuff. Like, I don't think it was going to be, like, bendable to bend around your wrist or anything cool like that. I agree. Um, I'm on their website right now, and they claim to be hiring. <laughs> but they oh, they could have also abandoned their website when uh, when they went away. So, you know, there's... Yeah, I mean, I don't know that they've gone away. I just know that I have yet to hear about somebody having received the product, which maybe the people are receiving the product and nobody I know is reviewing them. Exactly. There's there's no telling. But, yeah, uh, I I definitely go, despite what current evidence might suggest, I, I tend to go the other way if, in general, I probably wouldn't wear anything. But I like... I like some of the notifications that I get on the band and I'm still doing an extended review of this terrible yellow one that's on my other wrist. And um, then I've got my bracelet for my friend Drew. Um, but, you know, in general, I probably wouldn't wear something. I've never worn a watch. I've never, I don't know. I don't. I've gotten out of the habit, right? So now when I go and I try on a smartwatch, it's sort of like, eh, it feels a little weird to have something on my wrist all day. Uh-huh. At the same time, I kind of really would like 
the killer app for for watch for me is the time. Mm-hmm. Just kind of funny. It's like, oh, what time is it? Because how often do you have your phone? How often these days you're like, oh, I don't know what time it is. Let me check my phone. Uh huh. Right. I gotta take this out of my pocket, turn it on just to see what time it is. Right. Back in the back in the day, we actually had that beat. Right. You just what time it is. <laughs> And you could be discreet about it. Like, let's say you, you know, you were trying to figure out how much longer you had to put up with something till you had to leave, right? Mm-hmm. You, just, you know, you could still give it the side eye. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> now, with some of the, some of today, a lot of today's smartwatches, and I think some fitness bands, they don't give you the good side eye capability because they, to save power, they turn the screen off. Uh, and you, they turn the screen off when you're not actively moving. So you got to do. Well, that's not gonna. That's not discreet in any way. So no, the 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 way the band works though was kind of nice because, like, while while I'm sitting here, I'm looking into the camera, and I just checked the time below the desk. I I had it. I I was able to do the motion, and it's totally natural. It's something that somebody would just do, just to you know leaning on on an armrest and rolling your arm a little bit it's totally a natural thing to do so yeah but uh, it'll I'll be interesting go ahead yeah no, oh it'll be interesting to see what Casio does with this um personally i would like to see a a successor to the band too um because the the EKG stuff that they were talking about on the band 3 was kind of a cool capability. Um, yeah, the stuff that they added from the one to the two was a nice enhancement, and the the design change was very nice. You know, not making the inside of it square. Was... I'd like to see Casio become a player in smartwatches. Right? Doesn't uh, it seem like they should have kind of owned it? It's they were the original smartwatch maker. Right? They real. I don't know what happened to Casio. I don't know. Maybe this is a sign of a turnaround because Casio could be. I mean, I loved my Casio calculator watch. Mm-hmm. I've got they one around had, here somewhere. They had the concept down in like 1983. Now, mind you, I never had to do math on it, but I just kept hitting the buttons anyway. <laughs> so it was cool. Bring that back and put like put like a modern OS on it. But you know, and and then I had. I had something probably few remember. I had a Cassiopeia uh, PDA. Wow. And uh, Cass- it was an E125. And uh, that was a beautiful, beautiful device. Again, not a ton I could do with it. Beautiful screen. Nice pen-enabled thing. Uh-huh. It was sort of a forerunner of today's sort of t- smartphones. Although it wasn't a phone. Right. And... So they used to do some great stuff. Yeah. And and maybe this is them saying, we're tired of sitting in the background. We're ready to do this for real. I hope so. Is using, using the technology of the band and the know-how of Casio seems like a, seems like a slam dunk for them. Yep. So you're right. Hopefully that is what we will see come out of this because... If anybody could figure out how to deal with some of the oddities of the industry, it'll be Casio. 
because they've been there before. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster. The headphones on my head, the Monster Elements, available right now um, in the full on-ear and over-ear styles. Um, but, of course, full-size headphones aren't for everybody. They aren't for every uh, environment. You can also get uh, earbuds and a whole collection of other uh, headphones and, of course, speakers from the tiny little uh, hotshot to the big monster blaster and more available by going to plughitslive.com slash monster. And that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Avram Pilch. Avram, we're going to be talking about some cool stuff. We've yes. Look- we've been looking forward to this for a while. Yes. Okay. So let's jump right in. Let- uh, yes. As many of you know, in my day job, I am the online editorial director for Laptop Mag, laptopmag.com, otherwise known as laptopmag.com, and Tom's Guide. And on Laptop Mag, every year for the since 2010, we release around this time of the year our best and worst laptop brands article. And tomorrow, actually, if you're not watching this live, it could be today or the or it could have already happened. And Monday, the April 10th at 9 a.m., we are publishing the 2017 uh, results from our best and worst brands brand ratings. Um, so uh, let's let's talk briefly about what it is and, and why you should care. Well, um, you know, when you're buying a car, you probably come to a decision at some point, like what brand do I want or what brands am I interested in? And there's a lot of reasons why. You say, well, this brand has a reputation for quality. This one offers good warranty service. This one has good uh, people know is known to, to make quality products. Um, so we, you know, a lot of people look to things like JD power and such, such to tell them, Hey, what are the best car brands? Well, we do our own for the best laptop brands. Um, and each year since 2010, we have evaluated, uh, brands on a number of criteria. This year, uh, the, we, we graded them based on six criteria and each, uh, each of the 10 most, popular brands uh was scored and a score going up to from zero to 100 um some of the score is based on a large chunk of the score is based on their review score how much uh their how well the products that we reviewed of theirs did throughout um throughout the last the previous year uh some of it is is based on their support um quality which is uh derives directly from our tech support showdown which is uh, where we do testing of their tech support. We published that uh, a few weeks ago. Um, some of it comes from their warrant, what their standard, what their warranty coverage is like. Uh, they get scored on innovation, they get scored on design, and they get scored on value and selection. Uh, so um, just for the few people who are listening to this live, uh, I've, I promise not to reveal who's number one until after we publish it. But I can tell. But I will tell you who's not number one. Uh, 
Apple is not number one. And this is a big deal because for the first seven years that we did this, up so every year before this one, Apple was number one. Uh, tomorrow when we publish it, you'll see that Apple's not even number two or number three. Apple is tied for fifth. Um, so Apple dropped in a huge way uh, because um, obviously uh, the quality of their laptops in the last year and the value and selection have gone. Uh, I mean, a lot of people still love their MacBooks. Um, uh, Scott and I think are in mutual agreement that we're not Apple people. Uh, but even trying to look at it um, objectively in terms of, you know, not being an app, Apple person, not being a PC person, uh, they have really abandoned a lot of their core market. Um, you know, they're pretty much killing anything that they're sub $1,000 laptops. Yes, you can still get the MacBook Air, but that's a two-year-old product that seems like it's got a foot and four toes in the grave <laughs> um and that's starting at 9.99 and then you got to spend at least 12.99 and you got to buy a whole lot of dongles because most of their laptops except for the outdated ones now have only usb-c or thunderbolt ports um so they've become expensive they've sort of prioritized gimmicks like the touch bar and the total and the flat keyboard over real usability and uh, that hurt them, um, and and it didn't just hurt them in in your scoring. Uh, it hurt them in you mentioned JD Power. It hurt them in JD Power as well, where uh, they were unseated from the number one spot there this year as well. Yeah. Now, so it's not just you know we're not just because you and I aren't necessarily Apple people. Obviously that. That doesn't factor into this because JD Power got hit them too. So, yeah. Also, I, I don't. I just want to make clear. I don't do these by myself. <laughs> right. It's not. It's not a one-person uh, rating from, system. Uh, the way that it works is we have several people at Laptop Mag, and obviously the the one the biggest weighting is on the review score, and that's things that have been reviewed throughout the year. I actually didn't do any of the Mac reviews this year. I think all of them were done by my boss, Mark Spoonauer, who I would definitely describe as, as a Mac guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, so... I think that's a pretty good assessment. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it's definitely something where you're kind of seeing the tide turning. And then just Apple's also been slow to embrace technologies that people really want, like a two in, like a real two-in-one. So... Yeah. Um, so I think that's hurting them. On the flip side, without saying exactly who who won, you see some brands that are doing doing really well this year, like Asus and Lenovo. Sure. Uh, and they are doing it by innovating, coming out with some neat things like the Yoga Book, uh, by just giving a lot of value for the money. I mean, Asus is the best when it comes to value by far. I mean, it's just ridiculous how much you can get for how little with some Asus laptops. Like one of our favorites, the UX uh, 330 UA, the ZenBook UX 330 UA. See that five times fast. No, thank you. Yeah, uh, uh, available on Amazon uh, for six ninety nine. Uh, it comes with get. It's like two point seven pounds. It lasts ten hours on a charge, and it comes with a ten eighty. P screen, Core i5, 
eight gigs of RAM and two fifty six gig SSD. Nice. So you're getting all of that for seven hundred bucks. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty good, and that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg with like the kinds of of like bang for the buck that you get from ASUS. Uh, and sure. you also get great designs like the ZenBook 3, which was really expensive, but the best looking laptop I saw all year. So, uh, you know, there's and you there's have, a- and you have like you mentioned that uh, that innovation and acceptance kind of fall into uh, the the scoring category. And, you know, Len- Lenovo this year has uh, embraced uh, a wider market, right? They. They've got their uh, the yoga book, which has supported what both Windows and a desktop Android. Is that what it is? And then yeah, a sort of a desktop Android. Yes. Yeah. So the yoga book is is definitely like probably the most innovative product of the year. Now, mind you, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best product of the year. Uh, certain people love it, and certain people hate it. Because trying to type on that keyboard is is a very polarizing experience. Those two things don't necessarily go hand in hand innovation does not always breed uh good product just unique product but but it's unique and there's definitely some learnings there you know for them and for the market um and and some people some people do love it uh i also liked in the case of lenovo and dell uh this year this past year being the first laptop makers to come out with an oled screen Mm-hmm. Uh, so Alienware 13 uh, is available with OLED screen and ThinkPad Yoga, uh, ThinkPad X1 Yoga uh, also has an OLED screen option, uh, and that's a great innovation that everybody should should be following. Yeah, for sure, because we're we're getting to a point where differentiating your hardware is going to start getting a little more complicated. And so screens are seem to be the place that everybody has ignored for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, you have some things with really good screens, but I think one thing that you don't see talked about a lot is screen color quality. You see resolution talked about a lot, occasionally brightness. But part of the problem is what people know is, and this is, is like even this this uh, craptastic phone I have in front of me that's was actually pretty good when I got it three and a half years ago uh, has OLED. Uh-huh. People look at their phones and the decent phones have OLED. OLED OLED looks better than real life. Like, to be honest, if I could change my eyeballs for OLED, like, I'd do it because <laughs> everything is so much more saturated and just looks so pretty. I'm not saying it's always 100% accurate, but it's pretty. It's nice. The colors pop. So it makes doing things just so much more enjoyable when the the colors are really popping for you. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, people are usually limited to that on their phone or there's a couple of, like, you know, pricey Samsung tablets, I think, that have OLED. Uh, And then there are high-end TVs that are very expensive that have OLED. Um, but we're not really seeing it in computer monitors or in laptop screens, ex- with a couple of exceptions. Right. So uh, let's hope for more. Definitely. Uh, because, you know, like I said, screens have been sadly left alone from a lot of the guys for too long. And I'm ready to start seeing 
quality screens. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, if you're interested in checking out Laptop Max Best and Worst Brands and finding out who, who won number one, or more importantly, forgetting who won, look at how the brands that you're interested in did and why. Like, if you're an interested in buying an Acer and interested in buying an are interested in buying, uh, you know, uh, an HP. Does it really matter if they, they finish number one? You want to know how the brand you're interested in and, and why they did well or poorly. So uh, anyway, so you can find all of that at, uh, at laptopmag.com slash articles slash laptop dash brand dash readings, or it'll be on our homepage for quite a while. Uh, but that's, laptopmag.com slash articles slash laptop brand ratings with hyphens between the words laptop brand and ratings. Uh, so, uh, and I'm sure we can post a link to that on our Facebook as well. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to, uh, to finding out who the leader is uh, tomorrow, April, April 10th, 9 a.m. Eastern, right? Yep. Fantastic. And if you go to that URL now, uh, you'll see last year's results, right? Yes. So if you go to the URL this very minute, you, you won't find get a 404. You'll get last year's results because we update the results there all, um, you know, every, every year. So URL stays the same, but the content changes annually. Very cool. Well, I look forward to seeing that. I will be uh, eagerly awaiting the results tomorrow morning as I know. You'll uh, be live hitting F5. <laughs> Very nice. On this page live, hitting F5. Very nice. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I look forward to that. Obviously, you'll be around the rest of the show. Yeah. But for uh, the Pilch Point, that's it. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the gaming accessories that you could possibly need are available from Razer. They have uh, by far some of the uh, best uh, gaming mouses, uh, keyboards. They've got uh, cameras designed specifically for Twitch game streaming. Um, they've got uh, some incredible uh, quality gaming headsets. So, uh, and even computers designed uh, with gaming and uh, VR in mind and uh, all of their VR uh, hardware as well. Lots of stuff to choose from um, available by going to f5live.tv slash Razor. Having a conversation with somebody last night who was a big Razor fan. <laughs> As most gamers are. Anyway, so from uh, we'll go from PC gaming to mobile gaming. Uh, Call of Duty, probably the name in uh, in console gaming. Um, when a new Call of Duty title comes out in its first week, it tends to sell more than most other console games sell in their entire lifetime. Um, uh, Activision is going to be bringing the Call of Duty franchise to mobile following Nintendo's successful footsteps over the last year. 
with uh, both Pokemon and Mario coming to mobile devices. Uh, Activision will be bringing Call of Duty, which I think will be both uh, successful and challenging. Um, the I can't think of the name of the company. Gameloft uh, has a not quite Call of Duty style game uh, on mobile, and it is definitely not Call of Duty. Like it, it is not quite the quality that it is. It's not the same type of game, and so I think there's going to be some challenge in bringing that franchise to mobile. But the good news is that uh, in 2015, Activision did buy uh, mobile development leader King. And uh, so a new team within King called Reload, I think, um, is going to be in charge of the franchise. So, I mean, King is the mobile game leader, which is why... Activision paid so insanely much for them. Um, so I, I feel like if somebody can do it, it'll be them versus like Gameloft or something like that. It seems like these are the guys who could pull it off. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, sure. Also, if you think about it um, as what's the real, what's the limitation? Is it processing power? Because at this point, you've got some very powerful phones Absolutely. out there with really good graphics cards. You've got really good, um, you know, obviously really high quality screens on the phones. Much better uh, to harken back to what we were talking about the Piltover right. before. But, uh, you know, much better than what's on your laptop or on your monitor in terms of just, you know, pixel for pixel color quality and resolution. Uh, so, uh you know, obviously, you're not going to get the um, get the quite the performance you would on a console or on a, a well um, specced PC. But um, for a lot of first, a lot of first person shooters, I've seen a lot of really good first person shooters on the phone. So I guess the real question is, how do people want to play? Right? Do they want to play on a on the phone because the ergonomics of it like mm-hmm. yeah there are phone controllers but and things where you can actually mount your phone on the controller have you seen those uh-huh but i don't know it just doesn't of, seem like the ideal gaming experience one of the uh the main pr reps that come around during ces uh has a company that just put out a controller like that they're there have been several, and it's always yes, seems happens. like a nice, a nice thing, you know. Like it, it, it works okay, you know, but it just seems like if you're really serious about your gaming, you're not going to play on a phone. But at some point, there's got to there could be a convergence. Sure. Uh, I mean, isn't that what the Nintendo Switch is? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a phone, but it's convergence between mobile gaming and, and desktop gaming. Absolutely. And console gaming. But it right. It does do its mobile gaming with uh, dedicated hand controls. Yes, right. And that's, I think that's the thing is that if people don't have a controller, 
it's just not as much fun to play these games with trying to use part of the screen as a controller. Right. Um, but, I mean, if you have something... I think the interesting question is, have, have they said whether it's going to actually tie in in any way to Call of Duty, your other Call of Duty, um, you know, adventures? Like, can you pick up a game that you left off on your phone? We literally know nothing more than the fact that the game exists. Uh, the information that we have actually comes to us care of some uh, <laughs> some job descriptions on the new team's subdomain, uh, reload.king.com. They talk about the team. They've got the big Call of Duty logo up at the top of the webpage. And we know that they're looking for an art director and uh, an infrastructure manager. And uh, that's about the extent of what we know about the game. I mean, the other thing is that a lot of mobile games have the work on a free-to-play model. Uh Uh-huh that it's just like it's like being in i don't know Times square in the 70s like you're constantly coming up to you with a handout like can you please can you can you please you want to you want to play this level another five bucks uh-huh. you want to play this level another 20 bucks uh and it's annoying even if you were willing to spend the money because you just keep getting hit uh-huh. with like oh you want this spend this and it's just like no end now and you, and you and I talked about uh, the the interesting difference between Pokemon Go, which is a free-to-play game, and uh, Super Mario Run, which is not. Yeah, so I hope that they don't do free-to-play, is what I'm saying. I yeah. Because it's annoying to play a game and just keep being bombarded yeah. with, like... And then you've got to ask yourself, well, do I really want to play that level? How uh-huh. much is it worth it to me? To right. worth to me? Yeah, I I'm with you. I think I think the Mario style versus the Pokemon style. If you're gonna if you're gonna follow Nintendo, <laughs> the the Mario style versus the the uh, the Pokemon style, I think is the way for a Call of Duty game to go. Yeah. Though right, so though Activision so. has become uh, enamored with microtransactions and. Uh, if you know anything about King, you know that they are as well. So I fear that it won't be the way that it'll go, but I do hope that it is. Yeah. Um, That's... Obviously, uh... we know very little right now. Um, there's there's about four sentences of very generic information that gets repeated kind of over and over again uh, throughout the pages uh, on this subdomain. So we have very little information. Uh, our challenge as a team is to create a Call of Duty experience on mobile that will strive to transform the best console experience fans know and love while also breaking new ground for mobile and redefining the genre. Yeah, just super generic, meaningless sentences like that. They get repeated over and over. So we know nothing other than Call of Duty's coming to mobile and King is developing it. <laughs> so um, my guess is if we're going to hear anything about this, um, it is not going to be at E3 this year. Because <laughs> um, if they don't have an infrastructure manager or a uh, an art director for the title yet, uh, it means that they have not started anything that matters. So my guess is 
uh, by June, they will not be any closer. Uh, so I would not expect to hear anything about it um, at E3. If we're going to hear anything about it, it will happen at um, one of the hardware or platform guys announcements that they have made an agreement with. It's it's how Pokemon did it. It's how uh, Mario did it. Uh, they both were shown off for the first time at Apple announcements. Um, my guess is that's where we will find out information is at an Apple announcement at some point in the future or potentially Google I.O. if Activision decides to go the other direction. But I wouldn't expect well, to see it at a at a gaming Google I.O. is before E3. So if you're thinking... Oh, then it wouldn't be until next year. Oh. But it could be, it could be at like... Um, you know, flagship phone announcement. Like, sure, that could be. We are all hoping for the Pixel Two to come out, for example, around October. There you go. So it could it could be at an announcement like that. So that's that's my guess. That's where we will see it. Uh, it's what Nintendo did both times. Uh, so I suspect that it's what Activision will do. Though I kind of suspect that it will go uh, Google side, not Apple side this time, which would be a fun change of pace. Uh, what I would like to know is whether or not, like you said, will it tie in to anything else? Will it be just phone or will it be phone and tablet? If it's phone and tablet, uh, will it be playable over on uh, Windows? So will I get Xbox achievements? <laughs> it is Activision and Activision and Microsoft are good friends. So... Yeah, there, there's a lot of questions to be asked, and King and Microsoft have become good friends, as anybody who has Windows 10 knows Candy Crush Soda Saga comes already on your install, for better or worse. Yes. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. Yeah. Heck, maybe we'll see the game officially announced at a Microsoft event. Who knows? <laughs> There's, there is no telling where we'll find out information, but my guess is that it will not be at a gaming event because that does not seem to be where this stuff comes out. So, um, obviously, uh, we're keeping an eye on the website, and we'll let you know if we find out anything new. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals do it for you because, you know, that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies from blockbusters to Angel's Revenge. Ugh. They've got a little bit of everything. The way it normally works is for a couple of dollars... Uh, you download the MP3, play it along with your uh, DVD, Netflix, Amazon, uh, Hulu, wherever the movie happens to live, and laugh. Um, they also do uh, short films, those uh, industry-type films, the uh, the movies you saw in elementary school about uh, how things work. All of those uh, become available as well, and they can be horrifically funny. Uh, but from time to time, they do live events. The, uh, the Kickstarter for the 2017 live events just ended about a week and a half ago. 
And our first live event, Samurai Cop, will be in theaters nationwide this week, April 13th. Um, to find out what theaters Samurai Cop will be live in, to find out what movies and shorts are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks. So, this is a complicated topic coming up, um, but we will talk about it more generic <laughs> uh, level, I think. So as not to uh, get too deep into a very deep rabbit hole. Um, so over the last six to eight months, the conversation about, quote, fake news has been a big one on the Internet. Um, you know, the Internet has made it very easy and very inexpensive to, for anybody to say anything at any time. And the idea of... Um, Verifying that information on a grand scale is a bit of a crazy one because um, it's an almost unachievable uh, goal with an army of people. It would be unachievable because new sites pop up all the time, right? Um, yep. Somehow, Google also, who watches The Watchmen? How do you, you know? Uh huh. You're also claiming that there is. You're also establishing that there's there's an arbiter you can trust. Uh huh. Exactly. And so somehow, um, at the de- and the definition of what is fake news has been uh very uh loose. Some people define it very strictly as uh, you know, absurdly inaccurate information, and then. A lot of people seem to define it as any information that disagrees with your pre-existing beliefs. Uh, well, I think I think a normal I think in typical person I think even if yeah never mind keep, uh, let's keep going. So somehow uh, Facebook and Google have been uh, blamed for for the quote problem, and um, obviously it has nothing to do with them neither of them produce content neither of them publish content um you know google but they do rank content it's true they they Uh, do rank content uh and that i think that's where you run into issues google far more than facebook because your google indexes indexes indiscriminately but returns uh with ranking um content Uh, facebook allows other people to share nonsense that they find um uh well but yes but facebook also has an algorithm or something for its trending topics trending yeah and so some of the trending topics things that i have gotten certainly i wouldn't say they were fake but that you know they portrayed a particular bias about a news event sure and and that's where that's where the question of what is what is and is not fake news. And yeah, there, that, that is a complicated topic of its own. Um, but let's talk about how Facebook and Google, who both have begun implementing their fixes, um, what they believe to be a fix to the problem uh, this week. Let's talk about what they've done. Facebook believes, kind of as do I, that um, reading comprehension and critical thinking on the uh, the receiver's end are probably the best way 
to solve um, the problem. And uh, so they are working with a number of outlets to produce a how to spot nonsense guide, which I I think I think critical thinking and uh, reading comprehension are an important part <laughs> of the of the issue. But I think for a lot of people, um, they're not particularly interested in that. So this is a very touchy, very touchy subject. Sure. So I'm going to try to, to touch it just uh-huh. Um, the, I think part of the problem is, so part of the problem is actually spotting things that are factually incorrect and agree and having some sort of a middle of the road like nonpartisan, because when we're really talking about fake news, a lot of it is, is news with a political uh, agenda. Uh-huh. You, you know, if you got a, you know, if you think about a lot of the things that we used to uh, consider that really were the original fake news, nobody was really cared about the importance of them. Like you used to go into the supermarket uh, checkout line and uh-huh. weekly world news would be there and it would be like, you know, Hillary Clinton's alien baby. And you'd, and you'd be like, this is actually really entertaining, but I know this is fake. And, and where, where the best places to, uh, spot Elvis are. I actually really, I think they still exist in some limited format. I'm telling if you guys are listening, call me. I, is my life stream to write an article for you. I would love to write an article for the weekly world news. <laughs> That's on my bucket list. Um, uh, because I think that would be so much fun. I love that idea. Um, but uh, but that was something where it was cute. People knew it was fake news. Now, I mean, although when I was a kid and I would go in the grocery store checkout line, I'd be like, they wouldn't have it here in the grocery store checkout line if it wasn't legit. Which means somebody got that. a good photo of Sasquatch. They wouldn't print that if it wasn't legit. So... It used to be the case that having the money for a printing press for a printing <laughs> run uh-huh. meant that you, holy cow, you're legit because you can print something and you wouldn't have printed it if it wasn't true. Uh-huh. You know, there was some sort of maybe an economic bias there. You're not going to, and the, and the, you know, the store is not going to carry it. And like all the links in the value chain are not going to f- carry something that's clearly fake. Right. But now, first of all, that was probably never true. But now that veneer of like respectability, well, they wouldn't put that on TV if it wasn't true. They wouldn't put that published on the Internet if it wasn't true. Uh-huh. This website is, is a big website. They wouldn't do it if it wasn't true. So I think, I think that's part of the problem is that you have to it's, – it's all about – it's largely about – trusting the source of the information right and some of the sources of information that have come out with things that have proven to be like by anyone's standard objectively false have actually been you know popular uh news outlets with uh you know major sponsors uh or you know even things that are in the checkout line i mean 
I've seen some very uh, fake-looking things uh, lately in in news, uh, in tabloids that are actually in the checkout. Like the last time I actually went to supermarket, which isn't often, they literally had it there. So, so you think about it, and people are being bombarded by this in places that they would consider legit, like not some not some weird corner of the internet, but their Facebook, uh-huh. where a friend maybe shared it. Right. Not. Not some weird, not some weird media outlet I never heard of, although many of those are also, but ones that have developed following. So, um, so I think part of the problem is how do you create the critical thinking uh, that looks sort of looks very critically at the brands that media of uh-huh. media will consume, uh, and. And, and analyzes those, and that's that's part of uh, part of Facebook's goal. Um, the The article will be up on uh, on Pluckett's Live tonight uh, with kind of details on what Facebook and Google are doing. Um, but yeah, that's that's all part of how Facebook sees a solution to the problem coming about. Uh, Google, on the other hand, um, has decided to work with fact che- fact checkers um, to uh, return, like in Google News, for example, to return whether or not something has been fact checked and if so, uh, to what response. The problem, as you mentioned earlier, is that the fact checkers can also have an agenda um uh the 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 group that we all that the kind of like the internet immediately thinks of when they think of fact checkers is snopes right but they have i think a polit fact if it's politics but. okay um yes you know, snopes for uh, a lot of a lot of the internet is like the thing when you think of is this nonsense a lot of people immediately think of of snopes but when it comes to political stuff, um, they've been wrong a lot on their own accuracy. So, like you said, how do you how do you know that the fact checkers are correct? Yeah. And so, how does in- how does somebody how does a company like Google end up putting the reputation of their own brand in somebody else's hands who has? been shown to have their own accuracy problems so as as a member of the media although you know we don't we cover technology but uh i i really have to i really have to say i feel and someone who's very familiar with sort of how google you know how social networks and and uh search engines think i actually do feel a little i feel the dilemma that uh content aggregators uh-huh. like Facebook and Google have because they don't want to be publishers. They really, really don't want to be publishers. And good news, we don't, who are publishers, don't want them to be publishers competing with us either. So, right. um, so they don't want to get into the, into the mock of, of verifying something because that means that they have to stand for something. Uh-huh. You know, even, as, as, as meaningless as it is, Unfortunately, we live in a world where a lot of things that we used to just consider a fact 
are now in dispute, um, you know, are now in some dispute. And when you dispute something, uh, people are going to, you know, people, people are going to um, just, you know, it's hard to have that. It's, it's just almost this is like a philosophy question. Mm-hmm. This is this is actually comes back to this is like the real problem that we have here comes back to epistemology. It comes back to things I was learning in philosophy in my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the truth? Is there a truth? Is your truth? Do you and I have different truths? And do do uh, are we entitled to just have different truths and just live like that? But what about when uh, your truth and my truth actually have consequences for 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 other people? Right. Uh, so I would like to uh, for anybody who has ever been part of our mentoring program. Uh, this right here is why uh, steam, not STEM. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's this is important, important stuff, you know, uh, I think now about the allegory of Plato's cave that I read in, in uh, freshman, actually freshman English, like every day, because it seems like what we're finding with all these is sort of like, well, what do you know and what are you actually looking at consuming? So uh, this is not to say I have an answer. I think <laughs> I think they both have to do something because of the pressure. And unfortunately, the problem, the problem is both uh, people and uh, brands and the way they're presented. Uh, and people definitely have to be extremely critical uh, media consumers. Um, perhaps the best thing, and I'll leave you with this okay. thought, would actually be if every publication had an About Us page where they published their biases. Huh. You know, I think a lot of places would be, uh, you know, would not want to admit it. But I mean, I think you've got to go out and say, like, well, we're trying to cover objective news, but we actually, most of the people on our staff, our editorial board is really, you can see, like this. Or, um, but then again, that would require honesty. Uh-huh. And, and, and let's, and let's, let's be honest ourselves. A lot of places aren't interested in being honest with you. Right. They're they're interested in uh, in pushing some kind of agenda, and or they're interested in getting traffic mm-hmm. at the expense of the truth. Absolutely. So this is a tough problem. Uh, I I look forward to seeing how people react uh-huh. to Google's and Facebook's um, very know, divergent solutions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, it'll it'll be interesting. It won't we won't see it right away. There'll be a little bit of a delay, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So, just uh, I guess from <laughs> from two people who produce content to uh, those of you who consume content, uh, think about everything that you read, um, <laughs> and if something smells fishy. Um, be weary, I guess. Yes, definitely, definitely. So, especially, just to throw this in there, headlines, uh-huh. because sometimes the headline of a story is 
sets the tone or is the only thing you read and it can really how you twist the headline of something that is actually mostly fact-based can sort of twist the tone the tone of it absolutely because there are there are uh uh headline tools for creating emotion and things like that in a headline so we we tested some of that out for CES this year to see what would happen playing around with those headline tools. <laughs> so uh, they, they exist and they can be uh, problematic uh, in that particular type of scenario for sure. So, This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove. All the music you love, play ad-free music for one of the largest catalogs on the planet, including Jay-Z. Listen, on your PC, your tablet, your Xbox One 360, your smartphone, whether it be iOS, Android, or Windows, and if you don't have any of that, you can still listen on the web. Um, you can download music on multiple devices so that when you're uh, not on Wi-Fi or you don't have any internet access, you can still keep the music playing. And you can get a free 30-day trial right now by going to f5live.tv groove. So I mentioned Jay-Z in there because that's, about, that's what we're about to talk about. Um, so... This week, uh, this weekend in particular, if you happen to be a Spotify or Apple Music streaming subscriber, you may have, and are a fan of Jay-Z, you may have noticed a lack of content, and that is because uh, representatives for Jay-Z had his music pulled from both of those services. Uh, Obviously, they are the two um, with the highest number of subscribers, though that does not necessarily mean that they're the most financially successful, but they are both uh, the highest number of subscribers and Jay-Z has disappeared from both services. The only stuff that it, that remains is like collaboration singles with other artists. Um, it's interesting to note that his music remains on Groove and on Google Play Music. Uh, both streaming services continue to have Jay-Z's music. We don't know exactly what that means, but... Maybe he forgot about them. So... So I, my, my guesses were that either he uh, forgot that they exist or his representatives forgot that they exist. They made, they made the request and it hasn't been acted upon yet or uh, he, they were only targeting the top two. Well, here's another which, – which should you say pulled out of? Uh, Spotify and Apple Music. Right. So – the other possibility is that there are contracts, right? So there may be a contract that he has through a certain I, – I, mean, I don't know how this works. Uh, but do they have the right to pull the music at any point or do they have a certain time period up, up to which it's paid for? Um, it That's not exactly how these services work. Um, if they, they don't work quite like um, how – like Netflix, Netflix or Hulu works, um, 
the the artists publish as opposed to the streamers licensing if that makes sense oh so they're just basically they're just basically getting revenue for every stream yeah this is why i remember a few years ago um do you remember the artist? I don't think she's that famous, so it's not too bad for her. She, she shouldn't complain, I guess. But uh, LaRue, do you remember her? No. She Okay, so she was like a British pop artist. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, she had a hit or two, though. Okay. And maybe she's more maybe she's more popular in Europe. I don't know. I, I'm not up with what's cool anyway. But uh, she had that song Bulletproof or whatever. Anyway, so i remember it was came out that on social media she had posted the amount of money she earned in a month from spotify and it was like under ten dollars okay you know just like here's my spotify check this is terrible and i know i know manufacturer i know artists artists hate the streaming services Uh but they're on them because they need the money Uh i think but the money's not that good, but I guess it's better than not getting, you know. Right. The the irony of all this, so I kind of feel a little for the artists because I think about this when I think about people who are running ad blockers and, uh-huh. and trying to, like, you know, get our stuff for free. The irony for, of all this, of course, is, um, though, that artists kind of have themselves to blame in, in one sense, which is that buying music was so expensive Uh Um, and for what you know at the same time these streaming services are so good and so cheap uh, comparatively that like it's something where the market has really turned around from one that was really very anti-consumer to one that's where the balances of power shifted almost completely to the music consumer Mm -hmm. Um, because I mean, there are people who steal music, uh-huh. so they have to be happy, I guess, that people are actually streaming it. Sure. Um, but you know, not every band is Jay Z, and can afford to yank their music, and have people still still buy it, and not every band, uh, you know, is getting enough plays on those on those sites where they're getting paid per play to actually. Uh, justify it um so it's a tough uh tough road to hoe for them uh now of course but not for jay-z now of course there's another interesting aspect to this particular story um and that is that jay-z is uh part owner in streaming service title (laughs) he was the owner up until uh, recently when Sprint uh, made a purchase of about half of the remaining company. And so Jay-Z's pulling out of Spotify and uh, Apple Music could have absolutely nothing to do with uh, with policy or <laughs> or... Uh, dislike for the amount of uh, money he makes per stream or anything like that. It could have everything to do with a desperate attempt to get people to switch to title because uh, they have always had problems with uh, everything. You're right. 
But also, what he... Yes, he's trying to prop up title, but one of the reasons title, one of the ways title is trying to prop itself up is by paying artists more uh-huh. and trying to convince them to do what Jay Z is apparently doing. Exactly. In fact, it's kind of hypoc- when you think about it, it's kind of hypocritical for him not to do it, right? Right. <laughs> um, he has been back and forth on this position uh, since he purchased title. Um, he went away from everything else for a while and then came back because, you know. 16 subscribers to title wasn't enough to to keep it yeah, going. Yeah, well, that's, you know, he, he's a very wealthy guy. I mean, if he really wants to prop up title, he could he could do that. Now, the question, of course, when you have a service like title and it has a little bit of exclusive content is, is that going to be enough? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I don't know, there's, there's ways around this. Like, I remember before before my streaming service that I use uh, had ACDC, which is one of my favorite bands. I'm just disclose that right now. Um, <laughs> ACDC was not on streaming for a long time, unlike yep. any streaming service. Correct. And so the solution was to like buy the CDs and rip them or, or to buy it, pay for downloading it. And for some bands, it might be worth it. Now, that's so if you had to subscribe to a whole new service just to get, you know, just to get access to the catalog of one artist, it might not be worth it. You might just right. well, if I really want, I'll just buy the songs of this artist that I like. Now, that's annoying though, because a lot of these streaming services don't really play very well with your outside songs. So it definitely is better um, to have a play, you know, to be able to have everything you want in the cloud in that service. Absolutely. Um, so, so with title, they've kind of had two things going for them, right? The, the, the original thing that they had going for them that they marketed was that they had uh flack streaming, which is a lossless audio format. Um, so, they they promoted that pretty heavy, but that wasn't enough for them. Um, and then they started making these exclusive deals, and that hasn't been enough for them. This deal with Sprint might be helpful for the company, but you got to remember that Jay Z was sold a bill of goods when when he bought the company. Uh, they lied about the number of active subscribers uh, to get more money out of him, and that sucked. And so he made a purchase based on false information. And so, so the revenue sounds like Verizon, Verizon (laughs) and Jay-Z have a lot in common. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, are you suggesting that Jay-Z is going to take the oath? I decided not to cover that because (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing good to say. I was just looking here, and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm not even sure the title is the only one to offer to offer higher quality streams for extra. They are not anymore. <laughs> they were, but they are not anymore. So the only thing they've got going for them now is their exclusives. So if he's going to, if he's going to, because he's got investors now, right, that he has to answer to, like Sprint. And so, uh, obviously... Uh, he's going to do what he can to try and help the service, and I think that's what's happening right now. Um, I, there's no telling how long it will last. Uh, the 
the the removal from the other two services. And there's no telling whether or not we will see him disappear Monday or Tuesday from Google and Microsoft. Um, he may, he may not. There's no telling. Um, they, like you said, they may have totally forgot that the music was there. And by writing an article about it, uh, it might disappear tomorrow. They might. <laughs> oh, Scott, it's your fault. It's going to be my fault. I don't. I don't like his music, so it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> he has ninety-nine problems, but groove music isn't one. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think on that. <laughs> that is our show. You know, we used to we used to end the last topic on some sort of a pun, and I think that was a good way <laughs> to do it this time. Um, anyway, so that's the show. Um, thank you for those of you who joined us live. We've had uh, people in and out of the all four of the chat rooms that were available tonight. We warned you last week that we were going to start showing up in more places live, and uh, there were four of them tonight instead of just one or two. So uh, there have been people in, in all four chat rooms tonight. So thank you to those of you who joined us live. Uh, if you did not, that is okay. Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, f5live.tv slash join us you can join us live and chat with us in the studio we always enjoy it um, next week is Easter um, I don't know what what my family's plans are and Avram and I haven't discussed uh, what to do about a show next week so he and I will will talk later and we will announce on Facebook what our intentions are for next week um, so uh, possibly next week, possibly two weeks. We will see you guys back. Um, now, a uh, reminder that May we have collision, and so our shows will be very strange through the month of May because this studio, just like for CES, this studio will mostly go away and go to another state. So, uh, but we will also be broadcasting for three straight days from the collision conference in New Orleans. So that'll be a lot of fun. So you'll want to uh, follow us on Facebook to find out when we go live. Because just like this, we will be going live on multiple Facebook pages uh, there. Uh, also, we have a new reviewer who has joined our team. Uh, Troy Davidson is our newest uh, video game reviewer. His first review went up this week. It was wonderful. I am very much looking forward to... Uh, uh, continued content out of him. He already pitched me a second one this week, so I'm <laughs> expect a lot of video game reviews out of Troy. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, we've also got a couple of other video game reviewers coming on, uh, so expect a lot of new video game content out of us in the near future. We're very excited about. Um, I guess on that note, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avery, and we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.